All right. We're going to take this in three phases. So I'm giving you sort of the outline. Uh, have any of you watched uh, the, uh, the Marvel movies? Uh, the like uh, Iron Man? I know some people are like, yeah, I've done it. <laughs> The, uh, you know, those kind of movies, I, I, I'm not, it's not a recommend, but they have like phase one, phase two, phase three. Uh, this is the first phase, and we're going to be in this phase for a couple uh, weeks, and that is going to be the phase of uh, making disciples, like make disciples. Um, and that's going to lead into Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And this is a great verse that I would, can, we're going to look at today. But we're also, I'm just going to challenge, that's going to be on the forefront uh, of, of living hope for a long time. And hopefully guide us. It says this in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. A few weeks ago, we went over this, and so this is going to be the base for what we're talking about today a little bit. We're also going to be talking, then we're going to go into phase two, um, and that purpose is why do we make disciples? Like, why is that important? And I'm giving you a little bit of a spoiler here is that's because we want mature believers just a little bit you know like we talked last week from family sunday when taking a baby taking a baby when you first start uh, you got to take care of it you got to grow and as you get older you don't have to quite take care of it the same way as when it was a newborn baby and so we need ma mature believers and then we're going to finish with what's the process of phase three what's the process look like and that is the jesus example roadmap so let's jump into phase one, and that is make disciples. Okay, this is the interactive part of the church right now, okay? First response, okay, what do you think of when you hear Chevy or Ford? Trucks, okay, it's good. What do you think of when you uh, hear Starbucks? Coffee, okay, that's better. Well, that was a little bit more, I knew, I knew with the Chevy and Ford, like some people are like, I don't like Chevy. I don't like it, you know, it's like, so maybe, maybe that's uh, played a part into it. Okay. What do you think of when you hear Pepsi? Okay. Okay. What, I, that was a little bit more controversial because, and I was going to say Coke and, uh, or Coca-Cola or whatever, but uh, I heard soda and pop. That's a big one in our household. Me and my wife still don't agree on that. So you can pray for us in that situation. Uh, that's, we're, we're perfect everywhere else, but right there, this, uh, it's a tipping point. Uh, it's it's uh, the whole, like, you think of something right away. What do, you, what do you think of? Now, you don't have to answer here, but I want you to think. What do you think about when people say Living Hope Missionary Church? Home, family. Okay, process it. Now, here's another part. What do other people think? What do other people see? Because it's one thing for you to recognize what you think when you see it, but do other people have that view? What do other people process that? 
we're going to try to have a little bit of example of when they see living hope, this is what they see. And this is what they get. I think before we can define what living hope is and what, what it is to other, and I think it's got all those attributes you talked about, family, home, that kind of atmosphere, and that's great. But we need to look at what certain definitions are. And so I'm right now going to define, I've been talking about discipleship for a while, disciple making. I'm going to define discipleship for you right now. And there's so many times in life where I would love to be like, oh, I came up with this. I came up with this. Actually, I did not come up with this definition. Uh, I am not trying to uh, replace the wheel or come up with something better. Uh, a bunch of other people came up with this definition. I think it is really good. It's from Replicate Ministries, and this is what it says. It says, discipleship is intentionally equipping believers with the Word of God through accountable relationships empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to replicate faithful followers of Christ. Okay, let me say that again. Intentionally equipping believers with the Word of God through accountable relationships empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to replicate faithful followers of Christ. The first thing that it talks about is intentionally equipping believers with the Word of God. Discipleship is intentional. It's something that you just don't fall into. You have to be intentional with it. You have to be direct with it, equipping believers with the Word of God. And I think so many times, too, is we... we our main focus is equipping people with better understanding of this, implementing this into their lives. You know, I think so many times we settle, and we'll talk about this, we settle for something a little bit short of that. Through accountable relationships. How many of you have been on a sports team? Okay, most of us. When you're with a team, there's accountability there, right? You want to hold your end of the bargain. If you play basketball, not everyone gets to shoot the ball. It's not like there's five basketballs out there. Everyone gets to shoot. There's different roles, but you hold different people accountable. I remember uh, when if I, if I was like the guy that shot the ball the most. So, yeah, so come scream for me. No, I'm joking. I was like, but certain people had roles. If someone would come and screen and did not screen properly, the guy wouldn't get blocked off, and then I would be, still be guarded. Like, there was a role there. There's a, a team. There's accountability. So the next time down, I would say, hey, you need to do it this way. And I could tell you I messed up, and guys told it because there's accountability, because we wanted to be the best team we could be. Accountability matters. Holding someone to a standard matters. It pushes each other. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. We can't do this by ourselves. We need the Holy Spirit to continue to guide us, challenge us, change us, make the impact. We don't do this on our own. But it's in order to replicate faithful followers in Christ. The end goal is for us to replicate ourselves. And really what we're replicating is if we're living our lives like Jesus, we need to replicate the life of Jesus over and over again. A disciple, a disciple is a learner, but this is intentional discipleship. You can't be a learner 
if you don't care about it. When my wife started first dating me, she actually acted like she liked basketball. What I mean by that is she tried to follow some of the sports and find out some of the stuff. But some of you don't know my wife real much. She does not care about sports. It's fun to fun. And that's not the way I grew up. I grew up, though there's a game, there's competition, there's this. And so she learned it a little bit. I just, she learned it, but she didn't really care about it. So did she really learn? She doesn't know all the rules. She doesn't know all that what goes on. So if you care about it, you're actually going to start learning it. You know, if you, when you were a kid and you, like, I see my daughter putting crafts together. She cares about it. She wants to know more about it. Learn, look at YouTube. Do different stuff. Try to put it together. Like, that is what you're trying to do. And we usually always view it on that side as that one person has to be learned. But we also have to view it as, hey, us as Living Hope, are we teaching? Are we guiding? Are we investing? Are we putting into? Are we, a, in the sports terminology, are we coaching properly? This last week, we talked about, uh, the week before Family Sunday, we talked about discipleship being a map, not a menu. We need to know where we are going. We need to be a church that replicates ourselves in the actions of Jesus and the way that it's lived out in our lives. So if our end goal is to make disciples, which is the intentionally equipping believers with the word of God through accountable relationships empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to replicate faithful followers of Christ, we must not get caught up in celebrating successes that do not finish the ultimate goal. Let me tell you this story. I want to make sure I get her name right. It's Lindsay Jacobellum. Has anyone heard that name? Yes, Stan, I like you. Yeah. 2006 Olympics. She had just won the world championship. She was known as one of the best snowboarders in the world. All right? Go back. I was much more of a kid, loved Olympics. She was snowboarding, racing, so they had... Uh, quarterfinals, and then the semifinals, and then the finals, she's racing. USA all the way, she's going down. They start the race. There's like, I think, five or six people in the race. And then a couple people fall at the beginning, a couple stuff happens, but she's already the best in the world, and she creates a huge lead. Huge lead. Where, uh, like, there are, the announcers even say, it's like, the battle uh, for gold and silver is over. It's the battle for bronze. So they're all there. She's got two hills left, two little hills left. One was a little bit bigger, the second from the end, and then the last one, there's just like this little, little hill that's nothing. But she gets to the second to last hill with a huge lead. And as she jumps it, she decides, I'm going to grab the front and sort of show off a little bit show a nice little move. And as she grabs it, her balance goes off and she hits her back and slides off where she's, she's falling. And you hear that, oh no, she's falling. Now she had such a big lead that she got up and the other person was still coming, but she still got up and was trying to get it. But the momentum had been lost and she got silver instead of gold. She celebrated too early. She celebrated too early. 
we cannot forget the race we are running. We cannot celebrate things that are not our mission, that are our final mission. They are part of the mission, but they are not final. The reason why I say this, and if you want to write this verse down, it says 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. It says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. Least after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So we are running a race. Before we can begin the race, we need to know the race and the course that is set out in front of us. We must be obedient to be able to execute this race out. I watch these two guys once in a while because I find them pretty funny. Um, they call themselves the buff dudes. Uh, they're silly because they just give you like workout routines, but they're just like all the time. They're like, oh, yeah, uh, like and So they'll do like a 30 day thing of like we're going to run a six mile race and we're going to train for 30 days. And they'll do like a little bit of a video of doing that kind of stuff. So that's what they were doing. They did a 30 minute challenge to learn to run, uh, to race. And then they would go to this this course. And at that course, you would get a map and it's the six mile course. And it was in Oregon. Well, they got the map, and to be frank, they ran 7.5 miles because they ran the course wrong. They didn't know the map. They didn't know really where they were heading or going. They had done all the training, but they had not finished the race until 7.5 when it was 6 so, of course, they finished less because they ran aimlessly. They didn't know everything. They were not quite prepared. So I, myself, and the church must know our mission and objective. So that leads to point number two, that discipleship is the ministry of the church. It's not a ministry. Discipleship is the ministry of the church. We just don't need it to be a ministry. We don't need it to be a class, but the ministry of the church. And this leads back a little bit to what I was talking about celebrating too early when, uh, when Lindsay made the jump. We as Christians get sidetracked and think that other goals and other things are the prizes. We need to know what our main priority is. I'm not saying conversion's not, I'm saying, I'm not saying conversion is bad. That conversion's great. Conversion is great. I'm not saying baptism. I, I want you to hear what I'm saying. It's part of the discipleship process. But if we celebrate right at baptism and think that we're done, we have not done what God's called us to do. What are, what are we doing? We give them a Bible and say, hey, see you next Sunday. We're not training up. Our, our process in our, uh, is bigger than that. We can have a little time of celebration for that and that stake in that, but that is not the end goal. 
That is not where the process ends. We are called to make disciples, invest into them, replicate them, and spend so much more time with them, building them up as from babies to now mature believers. We have to know what the end goal is, and we can't get sidetracked. And I think some of us have gotten sidetracked. Imagine you're working a nine-to-five job, okay? Some of you do that right now. Some of you are retired living that high life. Some of you have that life. But imagine you're working nine-to-five right now, okay? Go back to work, nine-to-five. Say your boss tells you this. If you get the objective done on Monday, you get the objective done on Tuesday, you get the objective done on Wednesday, you get the objective done on Thursday, I'll give you Friday off. How many of you are going to know what the objective is on Monday? How many are you going to know what it's on Tuesday? How many are going to know what it's on Wednesday? And how many of you are going to know what's on Thursday? You're going to know what the objective is because you want that Friday off. You know what it's going to be. There's not going to be any messing around. You're going to figure it out. Like, so if, do you want this done or how do you want this done? You're going to be very specific. Our call is very specific. We're called to make disciples. And it's a discipleship process. And I think so many of us have gotten into, and the reason why I can say this even for my own life is I've celebrated too early. I worked at Chair Busco Campus Life for seven to eight years. Loved it. Great experience. All that. But when I got people that would like, hey, I want to follow Christ and enjoy Christ. I celebrated, which I think there's a time for that, but I did not disciple people well or help them grow, and I let them be where they basically were. I was like, yes, awesome, great, good job. I met with a couple, and I think they went okay, but then there were so many others that I let down and I will be held responsible for. And I apologize. And what you can do in those moments and what you can do right now is some of you, even in your own life, have to start processing, have I discipled other people well? Have I equipped other people? Have I trained other people? Have I done it? Or am I being discipled? I am one of those young people, babies. I need to be discipled. I need to be trained. We are all held responsible at some point of that. And I will be held responsible for the kids that I've messed up with. The kids that I wish I could go back to. And some that I've even tried to now and apologize for. Because I celebrated at the line of conversion. And yes, they, the, them and God have the choice. But I also know the responsibilities where I've let down of training them how to read the Bible, to think biblically, to train them when they're the ups and downs, and to go process and live life with them. Those are stuff that still hits my mind. I'm not saying I believe classes are great, I believe preaching is great, but and I don't want to celebrate, hey, Sunday was a great service, and then we leave and don't do anything about it. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to live it out. We're called to live out everything that is in the Scripture. And that's what it needs to be. It's not just, hey, it's great having a map and the plan, but if you don't do anything with it, that's where you really struggle.
I'm going to have one of my friends come up right now. We, uh, we've been talking about discipleship, and he told me a great story about, um, about it. And uh, it's Brad. And so he uh, basically was, uh, we've been talking about discipleship, and I was like, why would I repeat the story? You go here. Let's have you come up and tell your own story because you'll do a much, much better job than I will. And so he's just going to talk a little bit about uh, uh, the process of what discipleship looks like compared to just thinking about it. So, Hi, good morning, I'm Brad. <laughs> um, so John and I, even with, with what you were just saying, we worked at YFC together, Campus Life together. I was, he was chair of Busco, I was Columbia City. And um, I have the same kind of convictions, you know, about uh, did I really do discipleship? Did I really disciple these, these kids and these students? And it's really hit me... Um, I think it was either last week or two, maybe two weeks ago we were talking and it really hit me um, as I took my daughter out bike riding. So my, my oldest, my nine-year-old, you've, you've probably seen her around here, um, she got a bike for her last birthday and it's that, it's that moment as a kid where like now you've got that freedom, like you can, you can go wherever you want to go, you know, you can ride your bike around the neighborhood and so she just wants to go, go, go and she was wanting to go down downtown Fort Wayne to bike downtown Fort Wayne, and so my advice to her was, "Yes, we can do that, but here's what I want you to do: I want you to follow me. I want you to stay right behind me, and I want you to follow everything that I do. So if I stop, you stop. If I turn, you turn. If I signal, you signal. And you have to stick right by me." She's like, "Okay, I got it." Well. Funny thing happened, uh, maybe five or ten minutes into that ride, she decided to go off on her own. She decided to kind of, I'm going to go over here and, and get on the sidewalk. Well, she didn't realize it was one of those big, you know, square curbs right there. And it was too late. By the time she, she hit it, she, it popped her bike. And we had to have a moment there for a little bit where um, she, she was crying. But it was another moment for me to say, look, this is why I told you, you got to follow me. You got to stick right by me and do what I do because I didn't go over there because I didn't want to hit that curb. So follow me. And um, what was interesting about that is on the way home, so we're out maybe 30 minutes, not long. We go downtown, to, to go through uh, the River Green, Greenway trails, and then um, I took her down through, through the city a little bit. She loved it. But as we're coming back, now she's starting to go in front of me. Now she's starting to navigate the stop sign. Now she's navigating the yield sign. Now she knows how to push the traffic signal and wait for the, for the sign to come up to, to go. And it really just hit me. Uh, when I got home, I started just really questioning this, like, man, 30 minutes, okay? 30 minutes. And, and she goes from, from not knowing how to, how to bike in the city at all to on the way home being able to lead. And now I'm watching her as she navigates. And it just really hit me with regards to, to, to uh, my spiritual life and to discipleship. Because I started thinking, why am I not doing this more in my own life? Why is, the, why is the, I mean, I've been part of churches before. Why is it not 
as high of a priority as, as it should be when it's this effective. And, and I started thinking, you know, I could have sat her down and said, okay, this is how you bike in the city. Let me give you a three-point sermon, a three-point lesson on how to bike in the city. Let me give you the information. This is how you, this is how you navigate a stop sign, you know, traffic light, et cetera, et cetera. I could have taught it to her, and I could have passed that information to her, but it would have been crazy for me to then expect that she's just going to go downtown by herself and be able to execute it. But I think that for a lot of us, for me definitely, that's what I've done to some people. I think that that's what the church has done uh, to people. And so in the same way that I, again, I, that I can't expect her to go out and navigate, I don't think we can expect for believers to go and make disciples if they've never been discipled themselves. This is a process that is, that is a process of replication to me. And, and, and so, and I'm speaking to, I, I'm preaching to myself here uh, because I don't think that I've done that. And so I'm left with a conviction, and that conviction is if I'm not discipling and I'm not being discipled, then am I really following Jesus? If I'm not making his last words my first priority, then am I really 100% in? Am I really following him? And that has just rocked me for the last couple weeks. This is the last thing. Um, there was something else that happened on that bike ride, and, and I think that it, it does speak to a point about discipleship, which is that I believe that when we step out, because discipleship is not easy, it's messy, um, it takes time, it, it takes patience, it's a crockpot meal, as you've said up here. But I've started to think... Um, discipleship really I think that when we step out and we do those things I think that God blesses it I think that he blesses it in ways that we don't even realize that we can't even fully understand I believe that even when we can't see blessings God is working and he's doing things and so in this on this bike ride we're, we're biking along and we're, we're going right along State Boulevard we live kind of close to West State Boulevard we're, we're, we're biking down State Boulevard and it's a busy street it's a busy uh, intersection there. And this guy, this, this older gentleman, pulls up next to us, rolls his window down. And he's trying to say something to me, but he's getting choked up. Like, I can tell that there's something emotionally that's really, he can't get it out. And finally, he gets the words out. He says, man, it just brings me so much joy to see a father out biking with his daughter. Way to go, man. Like, way to go. And with tears in his eyes, he drives off. And I'm just like, wow. Like, I had no clue that just taking my daughter for a bike ride would have an impact. You know, I don't know what this guy has been through in his life. I don't know what, what prompted that. But I do know that when we step out and we're faithful, I believe, to doing the things the way that God has called us to do things, I think that there are blessings like that that happen along the way that are unexpected. I think that he's working even when we're not seeing it. And so for me, um, this story has left me with a lot of questions personally um, as to 
Am I following Jesus? Am I doing it the way that he's called me to do it? And what does that, what does that mean for my life moving forward? Thanks, Brad. Can you give him a round of applause? It's not easy coming up. But I think it's a great, ex- a great example of, of what it, it, the difference is. Like taking your daughter out for 30 minutes. Taking it, it being an example compared to, hey, here's the, the rules to follow. And just be like, all right, we'll see you in 30 minutes. Have fun, bike ride. You know, like that's not what we're called to do. We're called to live and, uh, and, and, and make it uh, a lifelong process. And that leads to uh, point number three. Uh, we'll finish with this point. Discipleship never stops. Okay? Discipleship never ends. We are to be on this journey with people, to witness to them, love them, share our stuff with them, or to go to classes, go to church, worship together, baptize them, pray with them. But if that's where it ends, we become lost and we fall behind in the race. Conversion is so important. Baptism is important. Classes are important. But they are a part of the whole discipleship process. And that process is always going. It doesn't end. It never stops because we can never get there on this side of our life until we die. 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 2 says this. You then, it's up on the screen as well if you want. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrusted, entrust a faithful man who will be able to teach others also. If you look at it, there's so much impact here. You can see it already. Everything, and I'm telling you, everything starts with Christ Jesus. It says that grace that is in Christ Jesus. Everything starts with Christ Jesus. That's one. Who's writing it? If you, who's writing it? It's Paul. Paul's writing this. So Paul is now discipling. Who's he writing to? Timothy, and witnesses. So there's three you have heard. It says, I'm writing this to you. Uh, have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. Boom, there's three. And then it says, entrusted to faithful men. Four, it's another layer. And then it says, who will be able to teach others also? To teach others. We are called to replicate. We are called, Paul poured his life into Timothy to, and witnesses. They witness to someone else and they go on to others. That it's a continual thing. We cannot lose the next generation. We can't lose it. Hearing stats on Generation Alpha are not fun. They are a different generation. They will have never known what it's like not to have a phone in their hand. Our technology at them, our internet, like there's just information overload, overload. Information is not wisdom. We cannot get lost in that. We have to train the next generation. We have to train those that are around us and pursuing us, that live a life with us. And it might look different. We might come in in someone's life for a season and we might be discipling them to the point where they have to move somewhere else. They have, might have already found Christ. But we are still responsible for, okay, they found Christ, that's great. How, how am I supposed to pour my life into them? And then they might move away, and that's okay. But we are still responsible for that time. 
We cannot celebrate just because we've hit one milestone and stop there. We, when I say celebrate, we can celebrate it, but then we can't, we can't get stopped there. We have to continue to move forward and move on, investing our lives. You have to ask yourself and decide for yourself and process in your own life. Is living in a way that is intentionally equipping believers with the Word of God through accountable relationships, empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to replicate faithful followers of Christ, something that you are willing to run the race for? Is that something that you're willing to run the race for? Because it's what we're called to do. We're called to make disciples. You need to ask yourself, am I making disciples or am I not? If you're not, I would say, like me and Brad just talked about at our time at YFC, all we can do is repent and move forward. The past is the past. doesn't matter. You have a job to do. You have a race to run. Do you all have oxygen in your lung right now? God's got you for a reason. To make an impact. To make an impact for the kingdom. To make an impact that lasts a lifetime. And that might be so, what you think so small. Nothing is small to God. Nothing. You have to ask yourself, am I discipling or am I being discipled? God is not done with you. You are still running the race. Let's get our focus on the right things and do what we're called to do. Make disciples. And in the next coming weeks, we're going to talk about what that process looks like, how it looks like, how to be engaged in that, how to do that kind of stuff. But I am telling you, before you begin, just like I sort of told the story of the, the buff guys running, is they had to decide if that's something that I'm willing to run. A lot of us in here have said yes to Jesus, but have you said yes to running the race that God has laid out? Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, I have a, I'll be in heaven forever. Woo! It's great. Now the race begins. Now the, the, the training begins. It's the process of what it looks like to live it out to your neighbors. You have to ask yourself, am I ready to run that race? And my challenge to you is, let's go. Let's go. Let's do the training. Let's do the work. Because I'm excited. Because you know what? When I ask, what is Living in Hope Missionary Church? It is a family. It is love. There's a bunch there. But I'm going to challenge, too, are we making disciples? Because if we are those things, then we need to, to be that to other people. So that when other people go there, they know that living hope, they're disciple makers. They'll pour out their life for you. They'll give it, not because of who they are, not because of John, not because of anything, because Jesus has radically rocked their world. Because there's nothing else that they can do. There's nothing else that they can stand on. Because we're not on sinking sand, we are on the rock. We are on what God calls us to do. We're not fake. That's what we are called to do. That's what I'm excited to do. And that's what I see here already. We just now have to implement it. Bam, will you come up?
And as you come up, I want you guys to continue to process, where am I at in this? Is this a race I want to run? Because I can tell you right now, there are millions of excuses. I'm busy. It takes time. It takes work. I don't, I don't think I could disciple someone. I'm not strong enough. I'm not, I don't know enough. Uh, if I disciple, if someone disciples me, then they're going to know all my, my worst secrets. They're going to know my sins. They're going to know this. There's a million excuses, and I'm telling you it's a lie from Satan. It's a lie. Evil wants to get you off track. Evil wants you to spend another hour on Netflix. You know, it wants you to spend another hour away from him. And it's so easy. We are called to a race that is hard. You've all lived life. But God has called us to something, and God promises he will be there with us through it. So let's sing and worship and give God glory in this time.